Lord, um, I got to get serious about this whole thing, right? Um, <laughs> not that I haven't been, but I felt like, I don't know, it's, it's been a year. And it's like, what do you want to do? I want to go for it. I want to get excited with what you have. And, um, you know, even as we were singing those last couple songs, you know, I'm just sitting there and I'm worshiping. I'm going, Lord, I can't even imagine. As we're singing, I could only imagine. I'm going, I can't. It's hard for me. You know, I know I can go to Revelation 4 and 5 and just get a glimpse of what heaven looks like. And uh, just kind of read through the scriptures and stuff and, and think, but it's still way beyond my comprehension. Because, again, we live in a three-dimensional world. I don't know what that dimension looks like. I can't even fathom it. But I'm going, okay, Lord, but, you know, you tell us in your word, you've given us these promises. I want to believe all those things. And then that last song, there were singing. And you're thinking, okay, you know, the way it goes, water, you turn into wine, you open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you, no, not, none like you, none. All right, <clears throat> into the darkness you shine, out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you, none like you. And then it goes into the chorus part of it where it says, Our God is greater, our God is stronger, our God is higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. And I'm, I'm singing that and I'm going, Lord, why do I doubt any of this? Why do I get scared about what you have in, pl- in store for this year, you know? I shouldn't, you know, but I think that's our, our human nature to like not know and, and wanting to trust. And this is where our faith comes in because I've just been praying for this next year and going, okay, Lord, um, I want you to just explode this place. I'm not talking about people, but if you want to do that, right on, God. I don't know what to expect except, Lord, I just want you to do it. I just want to stand or get out of the way and just let you do whatever you want to do. And I want to be in the middle of it, though. <laughs> I, want to, I want to be involved. I want to do what you want me to do. And if that's stretching me, stretch me, Lord. And that could be scary when you say that, but... Why not? Our God is stronger. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other. Any other. There's none like him. No. Nobody like him. And so I'm just like in awe as we're worshiping and all the things that that Jim was praying was with my heart. And I thought, I want want to share with my peeps when I get up there. I want to share. And then Jim starts praying all these things. It's like, appreciate it, bro. Thanks. (laughs) Because God knew what was on my heart and Jim prayed it perfectly. It's like, you are who you are, Lord. And and man, how can we doubt any of that? I guess it's called the bridge because it says bridge here. And if our God is for us, who can ever stop us? And if our God is with us, what can stand against us? What can stand against us? And you know, as I thought about that, even as we worshiped, I thought, well, I could stand in the way. <laughs> I can stand in the way and stop from God using me just for my disobedience or my whatever. But it's like, man, get out of the way. 
Get out of the way in your life, in my life. Pray for me. <laughs> because it's like, what is God going to do this next year? Amen. Father, again, Lord, we're just in awe of who you are. And so, Lord, as we open up your word, help me to do it justice. Help me to share with my, my brothers and sisters, Lord, um, your word with clarity <clears throat> and understanding. Even right now, Lord, just, just speak to our hearts. Prepare our hearts because of who you are, because you are greater than any other, Lord. You're able to speak to our hearts, prepare our hearts, Lord. Blessed be your name. Amen. <clears throat> well, after having a few weeks off from the book of Acts, we are back in Acts chapter 15. Um, we started the book of Acts a year ago today. Isn't that funny? For some of you guys who might be new, it's like, whoa. And it's like, yeah, a year ago today, at the first first week of the new year last year, uh, we started the book of Acts, and it had been on my heart to do, and 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 now we're just a little over at a halfway point. Um, and and I don't think it's going to take the rest of the year to finish this this book. I really, I'm not anticipating that. I don't know yet, in that sense, but. <clears throat> Um, it's not likely that it will take me the rest of the year to get through this. Um, but even last year, uh, and, and the reason, because I was looking at it and kind of going, how many studies? That, we're like in 30-some studies in, in this, but we did other things along the way. And, and I'm sure we're going to do that again this year, and I'm just praying about what we're going to be doing, because I, you know, my heart is to ha- give other people opportunities to teach. And... Uh, and to raise others up and, and things like that, to do worship and praise and communion nights like we did last week that was just epic in my estimation, um, was just a neat, neat time. And, and to do some of the family nights that we've done in the past, you know, just to break things up. And and, and so I, I know we're probably going to do that, but towards the end of this book of, 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 of um, Acts, Paul Paul journeys from Jerusalem to Rome. It's like the, the, the last four or five chapters, six chapters. And, and so I, I'm thinking a lot of that will just cover a chapter at a time because there's just a lot of dialogue that goes on and a lot of things like that. And I'm sure there, there's, there's some stuff in there for us. But in the next several chapters, until we get to like chapter 20, some 21, 22, somewhere around there, um, you know, we're going to see Paul's journeys... We, he just finished his first missionary journey. And he's going to, after chapter 15, start up his second and then his third missionary journey. And he will be going to places and, and, and churches and, 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 and that, that we read about. He, he wrote to them. He, he went there and, and, and he ministered to them. And then later on he writes to them. And I, I'm thinking, well, Lord, I, I, I don't want to gloss over it, but I want to do it justice in that, you know, maybe going into some of these books and, and touching bases with Ephesians and with Galatians and with Thessalonica and, and places like that that he visited, that he maybe give us a better understanding of why he wrote to them. You know, because this book here is, is just amazing because he, this is where all the journey begins. And, and, and this is, it just kind of brings us, 
it's important. This book is so important, so vital. And so, again, I, I'm not quite sure how it's going to work out, but I'm already praying, um, Lord, what do you want me to do after Acts? And so it might be months away, but be, be praying for me, see which direction the Lord leads. But the book of Acts was written by, the, uh, by, by Luke, the, the, the writer of, of the Gospel of Luke. And, and it's like a sequel to, to the, the Gospel of Luke in that he, he writes this book and he writes the Gospel of Luke to this man named Theophilus. A lot is not known about this guy. We touched on him last year, um, earlier in the year. We, we, we touched on him, but not much is known about it. But it's interesting because it's a personal letter. Those two letters, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, were personal letters to that man. And it's interesting because that man could have just kept them for himself and you know dug a hole and put them somewhere. But somehow the Lord saw it fit to share them with us, to put it in Scripture. And it's vital because the, the Gospel of Luke speaks about Jesus as the man. And, and, and so it, that, that, that Gospel is, is intense. But the book of Acts, it, it's like that, that go-between between the, the Gospels that makes the transition between the Gospels and, and the letters. It would have been odd, it would have been kind of weird if we just went from, from the Gospels to the book of Romans. And we would have said, well, who's this guy Paul and how did he get to Rome? And yet we, we see all that and we hear all that in the, the book of Acts because he touches all these places. And now you could read the rest of the, the word, you know, the letters because of, of this. You know, oh, Ephesians, yeah, he went there. You know, he, he went to Thessalonica. Oh, Timothy, he picked him up in the second missionary journey. Things like that, that it's like, it's so vital and it's placed in this critical place in between the Gospels and the letters. <clears throat> and so it's interesting because we go from Jesus' person <laughs> and he promised something right before he left. In, in John chapter 14... When he says, you know, I'm going to be leaving, but I'm sending the comforter. I'm not going to leave you orphans. And he kept his word. Because even though he left and he, you know, he came back and he appeared to these guys, in the beginning of Acts, we see him ascend. But he gave them a promise that the Holy Spirit would come. And the Holy Spirit would, would come upon them. And we've covered all that area and that he was the Holy Spirit, as Jesus talked about in John chapter 14. He's not just with us. He is in us and he would come upon us. And, and that's the promise in, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, that the Holy Spirit would come upon us. And so he didn't leave us orphans. The Holy Spirit now lives inside of us. And so the Holy Spirit was sent. And the church was basically born then. What God promised had happened. And he gave them the power, not just the Spirit, but he gave them the power of the Holy Spirit. That they would be able to take the gospel to, to all the world. And they did that. And we've been going through the book of Acts to now they're, they're, they're all over the place. All the known world, they have reached that. And I believe that, that we are still in the book of Acts, even today. 
that it's still, in a sense, being written. I know a lot of people, it's like, oh yeah, we're in Acts 29. There's 28 chapters, we're in Acts 29. And I've always, I don't know where I came up with this, or I heard somewhere, and I thought, no, man, we're, we're, we're beyond 29. We just started a new chapter this past week. We're in Acts 2013. That's where we're at. There's another chapter getting written. We just, he just finished another chapter this past year. Not just in our lives, but in the, in the life of the church around the world. The true church. Because the gospel, the, the acts of the Holy Spirit are still being written in people's hearts and lives. You know, some people call it the books of, or the acts of the apostles, and, and that is being done too. The, the acts of those who have been sent out. You know, that's where we're at. We're continuing to this day. And I truly believe that the power of the Holy Spirit that was given to the OGs, the apostles back then, is the same Spirit that is given out today. That is the same Spirit. He didn't change. He didn't like become less powerful after the church age or the apostolic age. That when they died out, while well, everything else died out, and we're just like, whatever, you know, we just don't have that power. I, I, I don't believe that. I, I truly believe <clears throat> when Jesus says, or when Hebrews says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that his, his spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that same spirit that we see and we read about, and this is something that I've just kind of been clamoring about when we started the book of Acts and going through the book of Acts, <clears throat> it's like, if it happened back then, why can't it be happening in our lives today? I, I truly believe that that the, the the trials, the tribulations, the persecution, the pressures that started when the church was born are still alive today as well. And they will continue till the day that Jesus comes back for his church to rapture us from this this place. Now again, when's that gonna be? I don't know, man. It'd be awesome if it was today, but whatever. We will continue to be persecuted as a church. This world, and, and, and they, you know, I've often thought as we've been going through this book of Acts, I'm like, man, it sounds like a downer, but it's not a downer. Because the persecution is the proof positive that the gospel continues to go out. The, 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 the trials and the, and, and the pressures and, and the tribulations, it's proof that the gospel is out doing what it's supposed to be doing. And so we will continue in that. So we shouldn't be surprised with what people say, what the world says, what Satan does. We shouldn't be surprised as, as to them trying to destroy the church. Always with the understanding that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I don't care what they do. I don't care what they throw at us. Even in this country. The gates of hell, the Bible says, in, in Matthew um, what is it, 16, 18, will not prevail against the church. It's a, it's a Lord's church. Oh, local churches will rise and fall, but the church of Jesus Christ will not. It will never be shaken. So as we get into Acts chapter 15, the church is now about 20 years old here. And the mother church being in Jerusalem is, is, is even though they've been scattered abroad, it continues to grow. There's local churches throughout the known world that have spread and they are thriving, they are growing, they're being persecuted. All those things that we've read about, but it's continuing on. 
even to this day. So Acts chapter 15, the first 12 verses. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the customs, the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other, others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Felicia and uh, Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now the apostles and the elders that came together to consider this matter. And when there was there, there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many wonders, uh, miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. <clears throat> Here's the scene. And I'm thinking, okay, they have been getting persecuted by the people. Everywhere they went, they had been getting persecuted. The church is being persecuted. And we saw even earlier on, that, that even there were the disputes that happened within the church, and here we're seeing it again, that not only are the persecution and the pressures and the trials and the tribulations going on from outside, but now there's people coming from within the church, it seems like, and causing some kind of division, some kind of, uh, the word would be schisms, you know, that, that, that would come in and start preaching something other than the grace of God. And so here the, 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 the writer Luke refers, doesn't refer to them as brethren. He just calls them certain men. And I find it interesting, and I noted that as I was studying that, it's like, you know, he doesn't call them brethren, but he calls them certain men that came in. Now, it, it, it very well may be that they were brethren, but he doesn't call them that. And I say that because they weren't denying Jesus and they weren't denying the access to Jesus. They were just kind of adding to Jesus, which was wrong. But they could have been brethren nonetheless. Now, these men who had taken off from Jerusalem had made their way up to 
um, Antioch of, of, of Syria, which is right above Lebanon in our day, right above that area, they had made their way up there and they began to, to preach or to teach that unless you adhere to the custom of Moses and, and, and are circumcised, you can't be saved. They were putting the stipulation on the people that you have to do X, Y, Z before you could be saved. Before you could truly call yourself a Christian, you have to do these kinds of things. Now, in verse 24 of this chapter, it tells us as the council is gathered together and they're talking that these men were not authorized by them to go and do this. This this group of certain men, whoever they were, took off thinking we're going to go teach this. You know, maybe they heard of what was going on among the Gentiles up in the north and decided we're going to hit these areas where Paul is hitting and where Barnabas is at and we're going to straighten things out. They took it upon themselves basically to, to go and, and, and to teach these things. It, it, it's quite possible, and if you want to turn there, it's up to you, Galatians chapter 2. Um, it's quite possible that these might be the same guys that Paul mentions in, in Galatians chapter 2. And I want to read it to you um, just to kind of give you a picture. And, and a, a good homework for you would be read the book of Galatians after we study this chapter. Read the book, book of Galatians because Paul deals with a lot of this in the book of Galatians. And, and he says in verse 11 of chapter 2, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, down in Jerusalem, he withdrew, he, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite when, with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? And so he kind of gives us this little glimpse of what these guys were preaching. And, and the fact that even those who were hanging around with Paul and, and would know better would get caught up in the same thing that even Peter himself, and he's going to chime in as we, we read, and I don't know if this is before or after, but Peter should have known better. God had revealed it to him earlier in, in the book of Acts that we saw, that, that God was accepting and allowing the, the Gentiles to come in. And so he was cool with it all. But when these people of the circumcision, the one that taught that you had to be circumcised and that you had to go according to the custom of Moses, that you couldn't be saved, when they showed up in, in, the, in Antioch, um, Paul was dealing with this issue. And Peter, he, he kind of was playing the hypocrite here because it's like, Peter, you should know better. And yet now you're, now you're separating yourself as if you're a good Jew. But yet, when they're not around, you're not playing that game. Again, their message was, unless you are circumcised. Now, I know that, that we can, when we're reading about this, and those of us who have 
who, who, who understand what, what he's sharing here. I, I know that we can come up with a conclusion that these guys cannot possibly be brethren if they're teaching this other doctrine. And Paul does refer to them as false teachers in the book of Galatians. Does that mean that they weren't Christian? I don't know. (laughs) They're they're off base. They're, They're teaching things that it's like, dude, you're adding to this. You're putting stipulations on people. Not that you're saying you can't be saved. You're just saying you have to do these certain things and then you could. Now, it, it, it kind of like, are they teaching heresy? Are they teaching false doctrine? Well, they're adding to it. They're, they're, they're not... They're not adhering to the grace. The, these guys would we would refer to, and, and Paul refers to them as the Judaizers. And Paul dealt with it throughout his whole ministry because Paul had a, a ministry of going to the Gentiles. He would go to the Jew first, and when they would reject it, and some would believe, but he would go also to the, 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 the Gentile. And he was called to go to the Gentile. But these guys were putting these stipulations that, no, you had to do certain things before you can truly be a believer. And Paul dealt with that. And I think that's why there was so much opposition with Paul everywhere he went, because he taught about the grace of God. Somehow he understood that grace played a bigger part than this, these customs of Moses. When, when, when they, these guys, in, in getting to the, the next verses 2 and 3, when these guys were, were teaching this in and among Judea and Jerusalem, it wasn't as big of a deal as when you got outside those borders. Because the, the beginning of the church started off with, with nothing but Jews and those who were already converted to Judaism. And so they were already, already adhering to these laws to these customs of Moses, to circumcision and things like that. And so for, for them to become Christians, well, they've already done X, Y, and Z, and so it was easy for them. But once you got outside that border, as, as Jesus told them, to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and, 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 and beyond, well, now, now we're talking about the half-breeds and we're talking about the Gentiles. And we see that the gospel was already going out to them. We've already studied that. But these guys were thinking, well, we've got to go beyond our borders because it's cool here. Everybody understands that this is what, and I don't want to use this word, but I will. This is what our denomination believes, that this is what you've got to do to be saved. But those denominations out there don't understand that yet. And so we have to go set them straight. And they set it upon themselves or put it upon themselves to go out and do that. Paul and Barnabas had been preaching because the Lord had revealed it to Paul that he would go among the Gentiles. They were preaching faith alone. It's all you need. Faith alone to be saved from your sins. There's nothing else that is needed. 
Just, just faith. Just believe. And, and when they went out, they preached this message and many believed, multitudes believed. They had a problem sometimes with the Jews, but even some of the Jews believed. But the Gentiles, they accepted it gladly. They were rejoicing that now the gospel was extended to them. And Paul wasn't preaching of, this is what you've got to do. Now you've got to understand, Paul came from a pharisaical lifestyle. He, he understood what it meant to, to, to obey the law, but God had revealed it to him. And you're going, well, didn't he reveal it to Peter earlier? And didn't he take it back to the people? Yes, he did. But they were still like, yeah, but in, in this area, in this arena here, we don't, we don't have to deal with that a lot. And so it's quite possible that, that even the Jews in the main church, it's not that they weren't familiar with this doctrine, they just didn't have to deal with it a lot. But when you got outside the borders, well, now it's going to be contentious. <laughs> And they were causing division. And they were laying these guilt trips on these people, these commandments on the Gentiles that the new covenant didn't require. It, it, they, it didn't require that. And this was something that Paul and Barnabas could not ignore any longer. I don't know how long these guys were up in, in Antioch, but if when you read... Galatians chapter 2, it says in the beginning of chapter 2 of Galatians that he says, After 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also Titus. I took Titus with me. And we went up by revelation and communicated to them that, that gospel which we preach to the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation less by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet... Not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be um, circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, uh, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel may be continue with you and so again when this came up in their presence they fought against it right away it's like no 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 they started disputing with them and it's interesting because it says that there was no small dispute or dissension it it, it was no small uproar that happened here there was there was some sharp contention that was happening and paul was not going to back down nor was barnabas and these guys, I'm sure, were coming in going, no, but this is what we, we have brought from, from the mother church. And it's like, no, I don't care what the mother church says. That's not what, the, what Jesus has taught us. That's not what the gospel is all about. That's not what grace is all about. And so, again, they, they fought against them. So much so was the this, this seriousness that the church of Antioch decided to send Barnabas and Paul and some of the others to go down and, and deal with this issue. Again, I'm thinking the persecution now is from those so-called brothers who have come in and said, no, you're doing it wrong. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. The, the Lord had revealed it to, to, Peter, or to, uh, to Paul and Barnabas. So 
all the time that they had been out on this first missionary journey, were they wrong? Were they wrong to, were they, were they preaching the wrong doctrine? That is by grace alone, by faith alone? And again, as they headed south from Syria to Felicia, which would be again uh, Lebanon area, and then down to Samaria, they were they were stopping off at those places that maybe they had touched on before, where where there's there's um, Gentiles, and they're telling them this is what God is doing, and man, they're rejoicing. They're rejoicing because they've been let in, and yet these other guys are going, oh, maybe you're not a brother. Maybe you've got to check your salvation because you didn't do these other commandments. And so when they get to Jerusalem, we get a better picture as they, they are greeted and, 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 and they're let in that, that this group comes from the sect of the Pharisees. If you remember in chapter 6, I know it was a while back, but there was a lot of priests who were getting saved who were coming in and accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet they were bringing in their little baggage with them. And again, maybe it was okay for a time there. But it was this sect that decided to go and infiltrate, get things straight in other places. Now, I don't think the church in Jerusalem was cut off guard by this issue. Because I'm sure that they dealt with it before. And I'm sure they did because Peter... Um, went to Cornelius's house and came back and they said, hey, explain yourself. How is it that you went into some, some Gentile's house and you ate with them? And Peter explains it to them. What could I do? The Holy Spirit fell upon them just like he fell upon us. What was I to do about that? Tell God no again? I'm used to saying no to God, but I couldn't in this instance. I saw it with my very eyes, what God had done. And the same spirit that saved them saved me. And so whether the church of, of Jerusalem dealt with this issue on a regular basis or not, I'm not quite sure. But Paul and Barnabas and the men that came with them were ready to bring it to the forefront and say, you've got to deal with this, church. Because these guys are going out to other places and saying that you can't do it like this. Where's the grace? Now, this issue has really never gone away. It continues even to this day. Mainly because we're people who, who find, it, find it hard or have a hard time understanding pure grace. I, I, I think it's, it's just part of who we are as a people that, that we don't deserve to be saved. And even if we're told that we are free, we, 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 that it's free, we sometimes feel the need to supplement, to add to our salvation. When, when we think that we have to like do certain things in order to be in right standing with God, then it's not grace anymore. And I know even for me, I could teach and preach grace all the time and I love to preach about it. I still put stipulations even on myself. And when I do those things, it's not grace any longer. 
And I do that on other people as well. Because, oh, they're not acting a certain way. And I know that some, some people are more boisterous than, than, than others in what they think earns salvation. And here we have this sect who is very boisterous in their opinion of what they feel, what they believe for someone to be saved. You've got to do these things. And you and I do that to one another. Because the gospel is about pure grace. But when we start thinking, well, I should be doing these things, then it's no longer grace. Well, you're probably going through whatever you're going through because, well, you haven't been reading. You haven't been doing what you should be doing. Maybe that's why you're going through those things. Now, again, I understand the whole sowing and reaping thing. But when we start making judgments of our salvation, then we've taken away the grace. And that's what these guys were doing. They were, they were putting stipulations, this is the way you are saved. And if you're not doing it this way, then you're probably not. These Judaizers, these legalists of that day and today, are saying that the cross of Christ is not good enough. And they deny, in that sense, the finished work of Jesus Christ. And even those who might put these trips and these stipulations on people, when you hit them up and say, well, wait a minute, now you're adding to it. Oh, no, 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 that's not what I mean. They might say. Again, when you're expecting more, from yourself or from others. That's exactly what we're saying. That, that, that the finished work of Jesus Christ is not good enough. You see, salvation is only by God's grace through faith in Christ plus nothing. Plus nothing. There's nothing that you can add to it. And I think it's kind of built into our society, into our families, into, into just who we are. And, and as I was thinking about this, I'm thinking, this, this is the way I, I, I did it in my own mind, and hopefully it makes sense. We often do this as a society, as, as people. Good people deserve good things. Bad people deserve bad things. And bad people don't deserve good things. We do that. I think we do that with our kids oftentimes. You know, when, when you have the perfect child, oh man, you just want to bless them. And you have the devil child that is so like, really, you know, I mean, nothing works. And it's like, no, when you boil it down, they're still your child. And, and, and but, but, but we think, but they don't deserve what this good child deserves because they've been exemplar, exemplary. And we do that in our society and we do that amongst ourselves. That certain people shouldn't deserve to be saved because they've done way too bad things. And I think we, we cast judgments on people. We might not say it because we don't want to be bad people ourselves. But we do that. And as I thought about this, I thought, 
we often say things like, oh, they're not good Christians. Or, oh man, they're really good Christians. And I thought, you can never be a good Christian and you never could be a bad Christian. You are a Christian. You can never be good or bad. You are just a Christian. It doesn't depend on you to have that title, to have that name. Oh, we could be good examples and we could be bad examples. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. But, and, and, when we, and we shouldn't be using our liberties <laughs> on a, to, for an occasion to sin or cause other people to stumble. But we can never be good enough to earn the name Christian. And we can never be ba- bad enough to, to not earn that name. Because Jesus paid it all. It's all up to Him. It, it, it's His finished work. And so when we say, well, I need to do this to be in right standing with God, then you've taken the grace of God out of the occasion, uh, uh, equation. You, you've become a Judaizer. You've become pharisaical in your mindset. And what these guys were doing, in one sense, they were trying to sew up the veil that had been torn when Jesus died on the cross. What they were trying to do is build up that middle wall of partition of separation that God had just decimated to, to, to take from the Jews and take from the Gentiles and make one out of them. And it's like, no, we've got to build that back up so there's, there's a separation. Because their mindset was saying, unless you become a Jew, then you, become, you can become a Christian. And God said, no, you come as you are. It's interesting because this is what we've been covering and studying on Sunday morning through the the, the book of Hebrews. That that there is nothing, the, the writer is trying to get across to them, there is nothing better than Jesus. There's nothing that we can do to to complement Jesus. He is everything. He is tops. He, 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 there's nothing more than Him. This new covenant that we just learned about Sunday, God has done it all. It's, he, he is the one that, that's orchestrated it all. He says, I will, I will, I will. There's nothing that we can do to earn this new salvation. And so when we look at the, the rest of this portion that we're looking at as we close up here, um, we see that the apostles and the elders have come together to deal with this matter, to consider this matter. And it could be that, that up until this point, the church has just been maybe putting out some fires here and there because they heard about these issues. And now they're having to deal with this this issue big time. And it sounds like there's a good little dispute or debate going on. They let it go on for a while until Peter stands up. And Peter reminds them of what happened. And And again, if you know Peter, he wasn't a big fan of this whole Gentile thing coming in. God had to speak to him through a vision. When he says, here, kill and eat, he says, not so. (laughs) Nothing unclean has ever touched my lips. And he says, whatever I've called clean, don't you call common. And so there was that struggle there. And then we've seen him in, 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 in the book of Galatians that still struggle with those kinds of issues. But Peter saw firsthand what God was doing and had done. And there was no denying the work of grace involved in this whole thing. 
The Gentiles had done nothing but believe what they heard. And even the Jews understood that the keeping of the law meant nothing. And yet they still adhered to some of those things. interesting because Peter mentions and he says, you know, we're we're putting a yoke on these guys that we ourselves nor our our fathers nor ourselves have ever been able to keep that yoke. It was too heavy on us. Again, it reminds me of the, the, the time that Jesus spoke and says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly of heart and heart and you will find rest for your souls. He says, let me take care of that. I will take care of that. In verse 11, Peter, as he's finishing up what he is saying, he says, he says, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we, us Jews, shall be saved in the same manner as the Gentiles. And it's interesting because you think, no, he should have said it the other way around. They, those Gentiles, shall be saved like we've been saved. But he actually made a great point <laughs> that the Gentiles understood the grace of God way more than the, than the Jews did because they accepted it. And when these guys came in saying, no, you've got to do all these things, they're going, wait a minute, that's not what we were taught. And, and the Jews could learn something from the Gentiles here that is purely by grace that, that one is saved. And in verse 12, it says that all the multitudes kept quiet and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring the many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. Peter's testimony must have struck a chord, must have made an impact in these guys' lives that they were able to keep quiet and listen. And maybe they got convicted. Because Peter says, man, I was there. I was, I, was, I was in the presence when this happened. And there was no denying his credibility. He was one of the pillars of the, of the mother church there. And they listened after that to what Paul and Barnabas had to say. Declaring these miracles and these wonders. And I thought, hmm, maybe because there was miracles and wonders standing among them with the other guys that came with Paul and Barnabas. Maybe they testified, hey, I'm saved by grace. How are you going to take that away from me? Guys, we will have to deal with these kinds of issues in our lives. And, and I hope that, that you go back and you study. And, and again, man, read, read through, through Romans, read through Galatians, read through Hebrews, and see how the grace plays a, 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 a great part, an amazing part, the most important part in our salvation. And, and when we, and we could be caught up in these things, when we start putting trips on people, oh, well, you're not being a good Christian. Guys, we can never be that. We're just Christian. We're just Christian. There's nothing we did to deserve that. There's nothing that we could do or add on to that to where we can say, yeah, God is happier with me now because look at what I'm doing. Look at how holy I've become. Guys, it doesn't depend on us. It all depends on what Jesus has done. It's His finished work. 
We can't add nothing. It's, it's Jesus plus nothing. <laughs> Remember that in your life. And when people come against maybe you or maybe what you believe, what you've learned from the scriptures, then you fight against it. You dispute against it. You stand up for it. There are false teachers and some of them are among us even because there's been sex and people that have come into this church to try to add on to what the Bible teaches. And we've had to deal with that. Do I still consider them brothers? Yeah. Do they consider me a brother? Probably not. But I will give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know their salvation. God does. And so for me, I will teach grace. I will teach grace. And there's. And I was thinking about this thinking, you know, I know that there. I've heard people say, oh, you guys preach, Calvary chapels, you guys preach too much grace. And it's like, really? How can you have too much grace? I understand what they're saying. It's like, no, there has to be, it's like, yeah, you're missing it now. When you start doing that. And so, again, do we presume on God's grace? I don't want to, but I do. <laughs> Sorry. And so, I will live off that grace because it's, it's by grace alone the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. It's by grace that we have been saved, not by works, lest any man should boast. And so that's where we stand. That's where we're at. And that's what they were dealing with back then. And guess what? We're still dealing with it today. So hang in there. Walk in grace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we come before you again, Lord, we just want to glorify you. We want to thank you, Lord. Father, even as we see the example that Paul and Barnabas and those that were with them give us, Lord, that they stood up and disputed against those who were coming against the finished work of Jesus, that they did not allow it to continue. And Lord, even taking it to, to Jerusalem so that they could deal with it. Lord, I pray that even in our lives, Lord God, when we have to stand up and dispute your word with others, Lord. That, God, there would always be a heart in us, Lord God, not to be right, but to prove what the Bible says is right. That Jesus is right, not us. That, that what he did on the cross was sufficient and that we can't add to anything. Lord, when we begin to put trips on people, that, Lord, you will convict our hearts, Lord. When we put those trips even on ourselves because you haven't put those trips on us, Lord. Help us. Help us, Lord God. Not to become pharisaical. Not to become like the Judaizers. Not to add to anything, but to point to the cross. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, guys.